Cause sometimes I be right. Hello. Welcome. Tell that show. How y'all feeling? Welcome back. Another week, another episode. It's good to see you back around this way. I feel like I'm loud. Am I loud? Am I yelling? Apologies to the eardrums if I came on a little strong. I'm excited. Unlike last week, I'm actually feeling great this week. Got a lot to talk about. Right? Got one of those, listen, the universe did it again. I feel like it happens every week now. I come on here and I say something, sing someone's praises or say someone's got the juice or this is going to happen, that's going to happen. And then as soon, as soon as I edit the episode, upload it, uh, news breaks that completely wipes everything I said away. I'm talking about Julius Randle, of course. We're going to touch on that. Anthony Davis says something interesting about uh, his biggest regret about this season. I also want to touch on the uh, NCAA National Championship. Men's and women's, actually, because I watched the women's game, oddly enough. Didn't even watch the Grammys. Got caught watching the uh, UConn-South Carolina game. Right? I want to get into all that. Uh, Ben Simmons... Being shut down, want to touch on that. Also, this week I told you, uh, last week I said um, I was going to do a NFC East mock draft. I was going to go in as every team and let you know what I would do if I were the head of each team. Well, we're going to do that. Get to that a little later. Also, I want to touch on some things that I talked about in the beginning of the NBA season now that we've reached the end. But let me intro this thing. Welcome back, Cyber Family. It's good to see you. This is your first time. Welcome. This is Sometimes I Be Right. I'm your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally! Let's get into some quick hits! Quick hits! Quick hits! So, last week I came in here and I told you that, uh, you know, Knicks fans needed to stay patient. Or not buy into the hype, right? They were starting to win some games. And I said, don't buy into it. I'm not buying into it. We've seen this before. We've seen this so many times before. That's what I said. I said, Julius Randle, everyone's ready to ship him out of town. But not me. I think he's having a down year. But I think he's just trying to live up to what he did last year. And then, like I said, as soon as I uploaded the episode, news breaks. There's reports saying that Julius Randle wants out. How do I feel about it? Well... I'm not sure how I feel about it because I'm not sure if I believe that it's true or not. To be honest with you, I have my doubts. I'm not sure. But knowing what I know about Tibbs and knowing what I know about players being burned out on Tibbs and he's very aggressive, very hard, right? Very harsh. I can understand Julius Randle may feel like, you know, maybe some things are starting to happen that he's not really a fan of. And maybe he's just... Look, it's a bad year. But if he does want out, Hey, man, good riddance, right? Like, not saying I dislike the guy, not saying I dislike the player, but I was one of the people who was saying, eh, I'll be a little iffy about giving him max money. You know what I mean? I kind of feel like maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know. Take the gamble. What other choice did they have? But they might end up to burn him. Look, ultimately, if Julius Randle wants out, grant his wish, move on. I, for one, believe that Obi Toppin is way better than he believes he is and thrust into a position where it's all on you, you're the guy, I feel like he could be very successful. Anthony Davis came out and said this week 
um, that his biggest like question mark or the thing that haunts him the most about the season is the idea of thinking about what this team could have been because they had so many injuries and what if they hadn't gotten injured and didn't deal with those injuries? What if they had everyone healthy for the entire year? How good could they have been? Yeah, hey, dum-dum. That's the problem with signing older players. There was never going to be a year where you had everyone completely healthy. Age equals injuries. Age equals it's going to be harder for you to the recovery time takes a little longer. Right? You're not going to be able to do what you did when you were younger, when you get older. And that's the point. You signed all these old guys. Like, yeah, if you had signed all these guys in their prime, yeah, you got a super team. You're going to win a bunch of games. But you didn't. You signed them old. And you yourself is someone who deals with injuries on a consistent basis. It was never going to be that. You might as well stop wasting your time worrying about what could have been. Because what you're, what you're essentially saying is, what could have been if all these players were in their absolute prime at the peak of their skill, and then what could we have been? But that's not what you were going to get anyway. You were going to get something slightly better than what you have now if everyone was healthy. But that was never going to be. That's a pipe dream. Ben Simmons uh, is, is, is going to miss the rest of the regular season. He's not going to play. And the Nets are very doubtful that he would even play in the play-in tournament, right? The play-in games, which would be two of them if they make it. And if they got past that and they got into the thick of the NBA playoffs, it's still not even sure if he would play then. Apparently, he's dealing with some back issues, some herniated disc. Now, here's my question. Uh, When you made the trade for Ben Simmons, did you have to give him a physical? Okay, and if you gave him a physical, how did he pass the physical if he was having this back injury? Did you guys just sit there and say, we need to get rid of James Harden so much so that we'll take this guy back because we feel like the fan base could be excited knowing that he's never going to play for you? Because I'm starting to feel like Ben Simmons is never going to play for the Nets. That's just my feeling. I feel like it's going to be a fire sale after this year. I feel like Kyrie gone i feel like ben simmons gone i feel like the only person left may be durant and durant might demand a trade hey knicks fans you might be able to get durant <laughs> look so i'm gonna touch on this real quick actually let me say this i've when it when it comes to the nfl draft i've literally bashed the quarterback class. And I've said this quarterback class is trash. Trash. Not a franchise quarterback in the bunch. Let me say this. I feel like the NFL, their idea is go after the quarterback. Get the quarterback. And then you build around that quarterback. The problem with that is money. If you go get a franchise quarterback or the guy at quarterback, you're going to have to pay him 40 plus million dollars at this point. That eats up a lot of your cap. You're not really going to be able to build around that guy. So you have to be a great drafting team. The problem with that is if you have that guy, you're going to win a bunch of games, draft late in the draft, but not win championships because your team's not quite good enough to win a championship. And that's the problem that Green Bay has. Because they have Aaron Rodgers, they're going to win a bunch of games. They're going to pick late in the draft, which means you're not getting first-round talent. And anyone who's anyone knows, 
if you're picking in the second or third round, you're hoping that eventually they can become a starter, but you're not relying on them year one. If you're someone like the Packers, you need that contribution year one. So you're putting people who are not qualified to be in a position of need, and you're setting yourself up for failure. So what I think is, this quarterback class, if you have a really good team, and you just need to plug in a quarterback, there's a couple guys in this draft that might be able to do something for you. And if you're going to draft one in this draft, if you're going to draft a quarterback this year, you have to understand, your team better be good around him. Because if you're expecting him to be the guy and you're going to build around him, they don't exist in this draft. But you got some plug-and-play guys. You got some guys that could come in. Like I, Kenny Pickett, if the team is really good, he might be able to come in and be all right for you and do some things. I don't know. That's just a thought I had. Lamar Jackson uh, wants a new deal, but is saying he doesn't want to talk anything about contracts, extensions, until after the year. Essentially betting on himself to say, I'm going to have a good enough year that at the end of this year, I'm going to be able to demand whatever I want. Here's my problem. Uh, Lamar Jackson, to me, is very eerily similar to Cam Newton. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, why do you always have to compare the black running quarterback to the other black running quarterback? It's not that. But their career trajectory is eerily similar. If you look at it, Cam Newton came into the league and as a rookie threw for like the most yards ever by a rookie quarterback. Great. And everyone said, sky's the limit. And then he kind of improved on that a little bit, but you could still see holes. And then all of a sudden, boom, MVP year. And everyone thought that Cam Newton was shooting for the stars. And he was just going to get better and better and better. And he's that guy. And then all of a sudden, fell off of a cliff. Now, Lamar Jackson wins the MVP. And everyone just says, oh, yeah, Lamar Jackson's a franchise quarterback. For sure. No doubt. Eh, I got doubts. I got doubts. Like, not saying Lamar Jackson's not good. But do I want to pay Lamar Jackson $50 million a year? Do I want to put my team in salary cap hell because I'm paying him $50 million a year? Do I think Lamar Jackson is as good as a quarterback as you could find? Do I feel like, like, that's what I'm, that's, those are the questions you have to ask yourself if you're Baltimore. Do you feel like we're not going to be able to find a quarterback better than him? Like, it's just not going to happen. See, Green Bay saying we're not going to find a quarterback better than Aaron Rodgers. They don't exist. We're not going to find a quarterback better than Tom Brady if you're Tampa Bay. We're not going to find a quarterback better than Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, these are guys who were like, you could find someone as good, and you could be splitting hairs and say someone's slightly better, but they're all on the level that is so high that it's like, listen, if you got that guy, you don't need to find nobody better because how much better can you get, right? I feel like Justin Herbert is the best in the league, in my opinion, is how much better can you get than him? Like, he's already, he has all of the tools. How much better can you get? Lamar Jackson, to me, isn't a guy that you feel like, how much better can you get? You can get a lot better. And I think that we need to pump the brakes on just labeling Lamar Jackson like a franchise quarterback, can't miss, sign him, he deserves all his money. I don't know. The guy needs to prove it. And he's betting on himself this year, and we're going to find out. So what I wanted to uh, what I wanted to get into and spend a little bit of time on um, is first let me talk about 
Let me talk about the women's national championship game, UConn versus South Carolina. Now, let me just say, for the record, I do not follow women's college basketball. But I do follow sports, and it's really hard to not know who UConn is. UConn is, like, the greatest program ever next to, like, UCLA way back when, when they went on, like, an 88-game win streak. Right, So UConn is notorious for undefeated seasons multiple times, multiple national championships, like just a powerhouse-like program. So I watched the game thinking, oh, man, you got, you know, UConn's coming in. Obviously, you know, they probably are going to win. I don't know nothing. And in South Carolina, man, that came out and bullied them. That game wasn't close. Anytime it got close, eh, South Carolina did something to take over. And I just got to say, I was thoroughly entertained. I know I came on here and uh, I tried to compliment women's basketball. <laughs> and it came across as an insult, so I just let it be. But let me just say, man, kudos to them. Kudos to everyone that played in that game. Uh, both teams played hard. Uh, it was exciting. It was entertaining. It was fun to watch. The atmosphere was great. It was awesome. Watching that championship and then watching the men's championship, there really wasn't much difference in terms of quality and excitement and and just genuine interest. Like I said, I normally watch the Grammys every year. I hate it. I hate myself for watching it, but I'm a big-time music fan, and I just can't help but watch it, and I totally forgot it was on. And I didn't think about changing the channel when I was watching that women's basketball game. So kudos to them. Now let's talk about the men. Let's talk about North Carolina and Kansas. Now you guys know I had originally I had Kansas going to the national championship. So pat myself on the back. Sometimes I'd be right. I had them losing ultimately, so sometimes I'll also be wrong. But still, give me kudos for putting them in there. Okay. So what I really want to talk about, first of all, can I just say how annoyed I get? We need to we need to set a standard on what is a comeback? How Early in the game, can you be down before we don't consider it a comeback anymore? Because right after the game, it was Kansas just completed the greatest comeback in in, in NCAA in a national championship game. They were down 15 at halftime. To me, that's not a comeback. Like, I know technically it is, listen, before you kill me, I know technically you were down and you did have to come back to take the lead, so yes, it is a comeback. But I don't think you should advertise it or talk about it at the end of the game about how great of a comeback it was. Nor do I think you need to criticize North Carolina for having a collapse. You're down 15. If I hit three three three-pointers, what are we talking about here? Three, just three shots. Three shots pulls in in the single digits. Does anyone here think coming out of halftime down 15, the game was over? There was no chance. They had no chance. There's nothing they could do to win that game. Were you surprised that they played better and very quickly into that game, into that second half, the game was tight? No, you're not surprised. Come on now. If it look, if it's 10 minutes in the game and you're down 15, okay, maybe. <laughs> still 15 is still like not like that crazy of a deficit to come back from again because with the three point shot and the way people are shooting threes nowadays and the way kids are making threes nowadays 15 points is, can be erased in a blink of an eye 
four trips up the court, it's a three-point game now. So for me, it just annoys me that we always do that. Like, ah, oh, that what a comeback. Like, halftime. You had a whole half of a game you had to play. And if you win that second half of that game, you could win the game. What? The, like, I just don't like it. I think it's stupid. I think it's a way to create a storyline. Because for whatever reason, I, you know what? It's the 24-hour news cycle. It's that 24 hours. We need something to talk about for 24 hours. We need to create, put a little extra sauce on the on the Big Mac. You know what I mean? Because it's not enough just to say, "Oh, what an entertaining game! What a great game! What you know? What a, they came out and played much better in the second half. That team looked like the team we thought Kansas to be. What a way that game turned out. We have to say oh, the biggest comeback in history. Always." We've talked. I've talked about this a million times. Y'all know how I feel about this. It's oh, we live in an era where we need something to be of all time. We need an all timer. This has to be the greatest national championship of all time. This has to be the greatest comeback in a national championship of all time. But we need let's 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 set a standard of what we would consider a comeback. I don't believe down fifteen at halftime. I think if you go on to win that game, I don't think it should be looked at or labeled or listed as a comeback. I don't think comeback victory should be in any of the storylines regarding that game. That's just me. Secondly, the other thing I want to talk about is Caleb Love, guard for North Carolina. Now, look, I told you in the beginning of the tournament, I don't watch basketball, college basketball like that. I just don't. Too many teams, whatever. I'll catch it if it's on, whatever. Cool. I'm not watching it like that. I'm not checking for it. With that being said, in this tournament, I caught a couple games in North Carolina. Just little spurts here or there. And then when they played St. Peter's, I watched. Actually, I watched them play UCLA. That's where it started for me. Started with UCLA. Right? Wasn't UCLA before St. Peter's? No. Yeah, UCLA was before St. Peter's, right? I'm not I'm not crazy, right? Anyway. Forget it. <laughs> because it seems like forever ago this happened. When they played St. Peter's, Caleb Love put on a show. And I remember thinking to myself, huh, that guy's going to lose you a game. And I thought to myself, this guy wants to be the hero. This guy wants to be the guy. That guy is doing way too much. He needs to take a step back. Right, And he was performing well, and everyone was in love with him. And I kept saying to myself, ah, that's going to come back to bite him. That guy's going to mess it up for him. And then they went against Duke. And again, I was watching the game with my mother. Don't believe me. Ask her. I kept saying, he keeps playing hero ball. He keeps he does this thing where he sprints up the court, makes one move, runs as fast as he can to the basket, and then jumps and throws it one-handed and tries to bank it off the glass. Like, what are you doing? You're just playing out of control. You're just running and gunning. He will come down court, diddy bop, boop, 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 have no intention of moving the ball, nothing. There's no offense being run. It's just, I have the ball. I'm going to go score. And you know what? Listen, like I said, I don't watch North Carolina. Maybe that's the way they run it. Maybe that's what they want. But what I'm saying to you is that guy playing hero ball, wanting to be the man, wanting to be the guy, 
every big shot, he's got to take it. Every time the other team goes on a run, he's got to be the one to break the momentum. He doesn't play within an offense where it's about let's get the good shot. He don't take his time to even move the ball around. He gets it and goes and tries to make a play, even if he's got four or five guys in the lane. He's just running in there. And I thought to myself, you know what? He's going to, he's that guy, that kind of a player, that's going to lose you a game. And sure enough, in the national championship, he shot five of 24, including one for eight from three. And if you watch that second half of the game and you watch the last 10 minutes of that game, that guy took a lot of bad shots. A lot of rush shots, a lot of force shots, a lot of I need to get going. No, 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 no. It's a one possession game, homie. Take a chill pill, slow it down, and play run an offense. Get somebody else, move the ball around. Get yourself a better shot. Instead of going one-on-one all the time, maybe you could run around a screen. Maybe you could set a screen. Maybe you can give and go, pick and roll, something. But he just wanted to play hero ball. And that cost him the game. 100%. That guy, Listen, nobody on the team shot well, right? Like They all kind of had a poor shooting night. Give credit to Kansas for playing tough defense and always being there, right? Just being a nuisance. But 5 of 24? Come on, dude. Come on. No way. Lost them the game. His whole attitude of, I need to do this, I need to do that, lost them the national championship. That's my opinion. I believe it. You can say, listen, I understand. Supremely talented. Incredibly talented player. Really good. Has a lot of skills. Has a lot of ability. But just needs somebody to tell him, hey, bring it on back. There's a way to do this, and it's not by yourself. He was out there trying to be Jordan. Trying to say, like, I'm carrying this team and going into the game. Everybody loved him, and I was nervous for them because of that. Because they're going against a better team. They're going to be down. And if he try, if he panics and rushes everything like he's known to do, it's going to be a bad, bad time for them. And it, it, it came up that way. Keeping it with basketball. Ah. <sighs> I just want to revisit my, uh, because we're coming to the end of the NBA season. I want to revisit my LaMelo ball take. Nope, not backtracking. If you know me, you know I don't make, I don't have like hot takes. I don't just say things that are outrageous and hope they turn out that way. I honestly tell you how I feel. That's all. And my take on LaMelo ball was, from the moment he was coming up, There's been such hype around this kid as being a transcendent player, a a once-in-a-generation player. Can't miss talent. Gotta have him. By far the best player in the draft. And in my mind, I was saying to myself, like, I I don't really think that's the case. I don't see it that way. I don't see a guy that looks like he dominates everywhere he goes. I see a guy who's got who's got ability. Don't get me wrong. LaMelo Ball is a good basketball player. I just don't think LaMelo Ball is the difference in a franchise. 
I don't think LaMelo Ball's ever going to elevate a franchise. Right? So if you're going to hype him up as like, this is the guy, I don't think he's ever going to be the centerpiece of the franchise. I think he's a I think he's a lot closer to his brother Lonzo than he is to a LeBron. Like on that scale of like this guy can carry it all. This guy is great a great piece. Put him into a great team he's going to fit. He's somewhere, he's closer to the Lonzo. I don't think that that um that the Hornets can say, "Well, we got LaMelo, so go ahead, roll the ball out there and let's go." Because as it currently sits, they're only one game over 500. Now, is that his fault? Not necessarily. But if he was a transcendent, can't-miss player, like once in a generation, oh my God, this guy's amazing, then it would be a little better, right? I said he's a solid player. That's what he is. And currently, uh, for the year, he's shooting 43% from the field. Is that great? Is that good? It's all right. It's all right. It's not the worst, not the best. Could be worse. Could be better. It's all right. Solid. Averaging 20 points a game. Is that transcendent? No. Is that good? It's pretty good. Not amazing. Like, you don't think, like, it's amazing, right? (laughs) Like, you don't look at that and say, wow, 20 points a game? Woo. That's, oh man. He's averaging seven rebounds and eight assists. Both good numbers. He's a good basketball player. He is, he is an above average basketball player. He's not great. And you can say, oh, he's not great right now, but he's still getting better. Like, yeah, I get it. Maybe. But there are some guys who do get better, but that doesn't translate in their numbers improving or the team getting better. It just means that you yourself individually, you slow down a bit. But look, here's the thing. LaMelo Ball is just flashy. He's a very flashy player. He's a hot dog, right? He grew up in the spotlight. He, 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 since a freshman in high school, he was the man. He's a hot dog. And that's fine. He's young. Have your fun. But when he's on the court, he's going to do something flashy and fancy and a little extra. Whether they're winning or losing, who cares? For example, tonight they played Miami. And there's a ton of highlights. You can go in there and get a bunch of highlights. Had 14 assists tonight. Uh, they lost 144 to 115. Yeah. But, you, hey, turn on ESPN, turn on SportsCenter, boom. You're going to see those highlights of LaMelo. What a pass. Look, look at the vision. Ah. Right, and I'm gonna get text messages like I told you he's the real deal, and I'm gonna look at it like I don't. But that was what, what? What does that mean? He could make fancy passes, cool, but they still lost. They're one game over 500. Like, it's not like he's completely changed the course of that franchise. You can say, oh, they were a laughing stock. There were plenty of times that they were close when they had Kemba Walker, where they were right on the precipice, the same as they are now. Where it's like, oh, this team is not quite there. We don't think they're going to make any noise in the playoffs. But, like, they're in the right direction. They got the right pieces, the right setup. They've been there before. You understand what I'm saying? 
So I don't understand why Lamelo gets all. The, I, you know, I do understand why he gets the love. It's Flash. It's a hot, he's a hot dog. But I just want to let you guys know where I stand on him. I don't dislike Lamelo. I just think Lamelo's a good basketball player, and that's where it ends. I don't think he's unreal. I don't think he's unbelievable. I don't watch him and see something like I can't. I cannot believe this guy. And there are other like a Jason Tatum. You watch him and say, "Man, he's a really good. He's really good." That guy could carry a franchise. That guy looks like he's got a whole different demeanor. Lamella looks like a guy who wants to look pretty. Who wants to make it look nice. But don't really care about the result. That's what I see. It's my opinion. And that could listen, that could always change. Over the course of the year, years, that could change. But that's just my opinion at this point. So I want to get into... Uh, I want to get into, you know what, let's get into a little hate before we do the mock draft stuff. (laughs) Let's open up some hate. Not too much. But I just want to acknowledge that the Lakers are most likely going to miss the playoffs. As it sits right now, as I'm recording this, they're playing the, the Phoenix Suns. And they are, it's tied late in the second quarter. LeBron's not playing because of the ankle. And to be honest, they should just shut him down for the rest of the year. Chances of them, I think they're like three games behind with like three games, like four, six games to play or something, something stupid like that. They're not going to make it. And like I said last week, even if they do, they're not going to go far when they get there. So just shut them down. Save yourself the hassle. Save yourself the trouble. It ain't worth it. Shut it down. If that's the case, I think we need to look at this and say, hmm. LeBron put this team together. This was the guys that he wants. If this had worked out, if this had worked out, LeBron would be getting praised for one, how good the team was, and for two, for being the architect of the said team. And so now I think it's obvious that there there came a point where LeBron realized we're not going to win. And so what they decided to do, what he decided to do was, I'm going to go get the record. I'm going to go get the scoring title. Because it's not something he's ever chased. He's never chased points like he did this year. Shooting more than he ever has per game. Like he was obviously chasing it. Now what I don't like is I don't like this uh, narrative that people try to paint that I've always said just because he does something doesn't mean that he has to. So, like, they'll say, like, oh, like, he scored 40 points, like, and they still lost. Like, he, you know, he's scoring all these points because he has to. Because if he doesn't, then who will? Well, I don't know. We'll never know because nobody else has a chance to score because he's scoring so much. We're not going to tell him not to shoot. A coach isn't going to tell LeBron not to shoot. Do what you want. You're LeBron. I heard, uh, I heard the other day uh, a debate. Where they were talking about LeBron's assist numbers went down this year as his shooting numbers went up. And the and the response was, Well, you know, if nobody's making the shots, then how are you gonna get an assist? It's like, again, I've always said, then why do we credit the person with the assist instead of the person who made it? Like, I thought this when uh they used to call Jason Kidd, they used to be like, Oh, he's so unsell he's such a team player, he doesn't care about stats, like he gets so many assists. Like, yeah, I used to always say assists are a stat. If you average 25 assists a game, like, that's a stat. You're going to be popular based off it. You're going to get credit and praise, and you're going to be a Hall of Famer. Right? It's a stat. 
So don't I don't believe all that hype of getting an assist. Like that's just you being selfless. Like no 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 you get benefit from that too. But the point of all this to try to stay focused tonight or today, whatever time you may be listening to this, to try to stay focused. My point is, if things had worked out, we would have given all of the credit to LeBron. And now that things haven't worked out, I don't think it's fair or appropriate to look at everything else. Right? We all know Russell Westbrook put up way better numbers than he did this year. I don't think Russell Westbrook hit the wall. I don't think he hit some imaginary age where whoop it just if it's going downhill from here. I don't think that. I believe that he was brought into a situation that he didn't fit into and there was no effort made or paid to fit him into it. It was kind of like, hey, go do your thing. And that's just how they left it. And he spent the entire year trying to find a way. And as he was trying to find his way through, he had to take the criticism. He had to take the criticism. And LeBron loves it because LeBron, again, has another scapegoat, has another guy, has another group of players and a team that can underachieve to this degree. But LeBron put up points. So you can't blame LeBron. LeBron did everything. What else do you want him to do? He's 37 years old. He's being asked to play all these minutes. No, he's not. You think Frank Vogel is telling LeBron what to do in terms of how many minutes you're going to play? Get out of here. If Frank Vogel tried to take out LeBron James, he'd look at him and say no. And Frank would be like, all right, cool. Next one. <laughs> like, let's be real. LeBron carries so much power in that organization that he's playing 38, 40 minutes because he wants to. And if he didn't want to, he wouldn't play him. And nobody's going to force him to go out on the court. Everyone knows how old you are. Everyone knows how long you've been playing in the league. Everyone knows about your countless years of deep playoff runs. Everyone knows this. Everyone knows if your injury is starting to pile up now. Nobody's forcing you to do all that. You're doing it because you want to. Why? Well, it's, it's debatable, but, I mean, for me, it's pretty clear. I think he knew pretty early on this team is going to be trash. And he tried to get out ahead of it and tried to perform and play and at least say, hey, listen... We might not win a bunch of games, but I'm going to go out there and put up as many numbers as I can and then see what happens. Now, look, some of that would have some of that had led to wins and some of it, in theory, would lead to wins if your best player is being super aggressive. But it was a little stat, Chasey, and I think at the end of the year, when it's all said and done, I think we need to look at him and I think he deserves some blame for the for the way this season turned out because of his involvement in crafting the team. That's all I'm saying. That's it. Don't kill me. That's all I'm saying. Enough of the hate. I want to get into this mock draft. Now look. Now again, uh, the mock draft simulator I'm going to be using is the NFL mock draft simulator or at uh, profootballnetwork.com. I like theirs the best, number one, because it's free. So you can you can use it. They don't charge you anything for it. There's a million simulators, I'm sure. And the second reason why I like this one so much is because they allow you to make trades. 
Now, listen, obviously some of this is completely unrealistic. Some of the scenarios that are playing out probably wouldn't happen in real life at all. I've gone through some of these mock drafts as a Cowboys fan and as a Cowboys, like doing a mock draft for the Cowboys, and there have been guys that get to me at 24 that there's no way in in, in the world that in real life that's going to happen. So take it with a grain of salt. This is just a fun little exercise. Now, I know what you're thinking. Hey, John, you're you're a Cowboys fan. How are you going to do a mock draft where you're drafting as the Giants and, and Washington and Philly? Wouldn't you just not take a guy that you would want the Cowboys to get because, like, wouldn't your bias kind of kick in and you would make a bad pick just because you wouldn't want them to be good? No. No. Because I'm a grown-ass man. I'm 35 years old. I have zero impact on the game. I watch it as a fan. I have zero impact on it. (laughs) If a team's good, I can say they're good. If Philly comes in this year and they're playing well, I can acknowledge that they're good. If Washington comes in and plays well, I can acknowledge that they're good. I can say, man, I hate them, but respect them, okay? And in this, I'm able to be objective and do my job. And when these teams pop up, I will do my job as the GM of that team. So here's how we're going to do it. I have selected to draft as the Giants, the Eagles, the Commanders. That still sounds weird. And the Cowboys. Now, as these picks come up, we're only going to do the first round. Not going to bore you guys with seven rounds because once you get to the fourth, fifth round, names are going to start flying that you've never heard of. Unless you're like a draft nerd and you really study all this stuff and you want to be one of the guys with the draft guides and you've read everyone's profile so you know all the names when they come up when you're with your buddies watching the draft. Unless you're one of those guys, you ain't going to know nobody outside of the first round. Okay, So we're going to do the first round. And whenever a team comes up, we'll review the trade offers, decide if I want to stay where I'm at, if I want to make a trade, do I want to send something somewhere else. You know, we'll go through all that, and I'll kind of explain it as we go. Now, let's get started. So right off the rip, Giants are going to be picking first at five. And I'm getting phone calls. At first, I've gotten three trade offers. Now listen, I'm the new GM of the Giants. Here's what we got to do. Now, let's look at the team needs, first of all. Let me tell you what the Giants need. They need offensive tackle, offensive guard, a center, a corner, and a receiver. Those are their top needs. So, we have picks five and seven. Right? Picks five and seven. So, the idea, I came in a while ago and I said they should just pick two offensive linemen fix the offensive line, and keep it moving, right? That's all you have to do. Fix the offensive line, keep it moving. So with those two picks, you could have pick of the litter as far as offensive linemen go. So the first trade offer we have is Atlanta wants to come up from 8 to 5. They're offering me pick 8 and pick 58 for pick 5. Now, I could have pick 7 and 8 back-to-back. It's enticing, plus I also get an extra, you know, second round pick, pick 58. The Minnesota Vikings are offering me pick 12, 46, and a second rounder next year for my fifth pick and pick 112. I'm going to reject that right off the bat. Moving from 5 to 12 is too much for me, too rich. And the Texans want to move up. They're offering me pick 13 and 37. That's a little more enticing because now remind you, I have 5 and 7 right now. 
If I decide to go with this deal, I would be giving up five and moving to 13. So I would not have picked seven, 13, but I would also have an early second round pick. Now that could come in handy for me, but not really sure. I'm going to reject that just off the basis of I want to get maximum return on this. And me, my thought is I want to get two offensive linemen. Okay. I want to get two. I need a guard, a tackle, and a center. That's three offensive linemen I need. If I can get two in the top 10, I like my chances of those two guys being above average. Right? So pick eight and 58 is very enticing to me. Let me see who's available. So Evan Neal, the recognized number one tackle, is already off the board. He went number one to Jacksonville. So now when I look at the player pool, I have... uh, Equanu from North Carolina State, the tackle, who's also very good, very athletic. I have Charles Cross from Mississippi State, who's the 10th rated player in the draft. I also have Tyler Linderbaum, who's a center from Iowa, who's rated 14th in this big board. And then I have Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, who's like a wild card, a small school guy, but played really well at the Senior Bowl. Uh, perform well at the um, the combine and is somebody that they're high on. Then you have guards like Zion Johnson from Boston College. Um, and you also have Kenyon Green from Texas A&M, who in this big board is 29th. But I know a lot of people in real life are projecting him to be uh, much higher, like a top 10 potential pick or top 15 at least. But they've got him at, you know, number seven. So I don't know what to do. I'm not sure what to do. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to accept the trade with the Falcons and uh, move back to eight. So now my pick at seven, I got one trade offer from Pittsburgh. They want to move up to seven. They're giving me 20, 52, 84 in a second. Next year, I'm going to reject it because we need to make some picks. So at seven, I'm going to take Equanu from North Carolina State. And then at eight, I'm not taking any trade offers for eight. I don't care what you offer me. I am going to take Tyler Linderbaum. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, why wouldn't you get a receiver at that spot and get two for one? And it's like, I would, receiver doesn't matter. If I don't have anybody to throw it to because I can't protect my quarterback. And because you're holding on, because you're holding on to your QB, why am I drawing his name? Danny Dimes? Dan, what? Because I'm holding on to Danny Dimes for this year. because, Because I'm holding on to Daniel Jones this year, we need to figure out what he is. And I personally, coming into the Giants, feel like... Danny Dimes is a solid quarterback. I I compare him to Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan was in position to win a Super Bowl. It kind of fell apart. I don't really blame him for that. But he's good enough to win a Super Bowl. He's good enough to get there and win a Super Bowl. So now Washington is the next one to pick at number 11. And right away I get a trade offer. I get uh, pick 12 so I can move back one spot and I pick up a second round next year. Let's do it. Why wouldn't I? 
So we do that. Now, let's look at Washington's team needs. They need a tight end, a quarterback, a guard, a safety, and a corner. Okay. Here's what we got. I already know what I'm doing. (laughs) Now, let me remind you, they need a tight end, a quarterback, a guard, a safety, and a corner. I'm looking right on my board right now, and I'm seeing Garrett Wilson sit right there. I'm seeing Jamison Williams sitting right there. I'm seeing Kenny Pickett sit right there, but y'all know how I feel about Kenny Pickett. Ooh, man. And I also see Zion Johnson sitting there, but for me, that might be a little bit rich. So what do we do? I don't really have a QB, but again, maybe I can get someone like a Bailey Zappi late. Maybe I can get a Matt Corral late. Maybe I can get him in the second round, second go round. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to take Garrett Wilson. I just think Garrett Wilson is one of the best players in the draft, and I can't take my chances and pass that guy up. You know what I'm saying? You could add him to that receiving core you already have, which is solid. Can't pass that up. Can't pass it up. Now, the Eagles are next up. Now, the Eagles' needs are... The Eagles need a corner, a linebacker, a safety, a tight end, and a receiver. And right now, I'm looking at Derek Stingley Jr. He's still on the board. Now, I know there's a lot of question marks about if he even loves football. There's a lot of people who say he's not an alpha, he's a beta, he needs a big brother in the room or else he'll kind of lose focus and not really be interested. I understand that. But if I'm picking at 15 and I have the potential to take one of the top three athletes in the draft, one of the top three players in the draft, how do I turn that down because I'm worried that he might not be interested in football? I got to take the chance, right? If one of my team needs is corner, and listen, I'm a Cowboys fan. I know how bad Philly's secondary has been for a long time. And if I'm looking around this division and I just watched Washington take Garrett Wilson, no, 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 no. Now we need somebody. So I'm taking Derek Stingley at 15. And now I'm right back on the board at at 18. And uh, so, again, let me remind you. We took a corner, so we need a linebacker, safety, tight end, and receiver. Now, receiver is deep. But my two choices here, actually my three choices, I can get Chris Olave, who I like a lot. You know, But the problem is I got Devontae Smith, and he's small too. So can I really have two skinny receivers, two small skinny receivers on my roster? I don't know. But then you have Devin Lloyd, the outstanding linebacker from Utah, super athlete, like great player. Or I could take Drake London from USC. Maybe a little high at this point, but maybe not. Ooh, what do you do? And you also have Nicobe Dean. So you need corners, right? But you got one. So you're not going to double dip in corners, even though you got Trent McDuffie on there who's really good. You need a linebacker. You take one of those stud linebackers, or do you go with the receiver? Receiver is pretty stacked in this draft. I'm not going to lie to you. We can get a really good receiver later in the draft. So I'm going to have to go with between. Now you have to choose between Devin Lloyd and the Kobe Dean. 
Now, me personally, I think N'Kobe Dean is a better player, but he's smaller. He's not as versatile as Devin Lloyd. So I'm going to take Devin Lloyd. I'm going to take the gamble on the higher upside athlete and just say that that's that's the direction we're going to go in. Now we get to the big pick. Now look, 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 look. look. Can we can we just say uh, that I have not in any way mispicked for these teams? Like I treated, I did a good job, right? I mean, maybe you might disagree. You know that the Giants shouldn't have taken two offensive linemen, but I did. So whatever. <laughs> okay, so the Cowboys are on the clock at twenty four. Uh, I've replaced Jerry Jones. Actually, Jerry Jones called me in to, you know, be the GM for this draft because he likes where my head's at. So we got three trade offers. The first one is the Browns. They want to get up from pick 44. So they're offering us pick 44, pick 99, and the second rounder next year. I'm taking it. I'm lying. I ain't taking that. Get out of here. Dropping back 20 spots? Nah. Dropping out of the first round? Nope. Next offer is from the Texans. They're offering me pick 32 and pick 68. Mm, Not in love with it, but that's not the worst thing. Dropping back, what, eight spots? You're dropping dropping to the very last pick of the first round. And then you have Buffalo, which is offering you to swap pick. They have pick 25, so they're offering you the 25th pick. So you're dropping back one spot, but you're picking up a third rounder next year. Now... Let's let's refresh. Let's let you know. The Cowboys' needs are they need a safety, a defensive tackle, a linebacker, an offensive tackle, and an offensive guard. So they need a guard, tackle, D tackle, linebacker, and a safety. I personally think you should put receiver on that list, but I do believe it's not a pressing need. Right? Like they got, you know, when Michael Gallup comes back healthy. You have CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup on the outsides, your inside guy. Hey, you got uh, James Washington they just signed who could or could not be good. Maybe if he's in a lesser role and not expecting so much or expected to do so much, he can be a solid, productive player, a placeholder for now. And you could draft somebody. Listen, y'all know how I feel about the guy from Memphis, the low receiver. Love him. Sky Moore. Love him. Like, there's guys in this draft that are later that you can pick up. Jalen Naylor. I'm not hearing nobody talk about him out of Michigan State, and I like that guy a lot. So I'm going to hold off on receiver, but I also understand that that's a need that I can address later. So the idea of moving back one spot, who would I be moving away from? Because that's what's important. you got to figure out who you're moving away from. I can get Chris Olave. I don't need a receiver, but God, can you pass up Chris Olave? In reality, Chris Olave just today was meeting and having a visit with the Cowboys. The Cowboys are very interested in Chris Olave for good reason. A very good receiver. I told you that we need a safety. Daxton Hill from Michigan. Freak athlete. He's available. Trent McDuffie from Washington. The corner is available. We need guards. Kenyon Green from Texas A&M is available. Uh, Traylon Burks, receiver from Arkansas, is available. Um, man, you got Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson. He's He's got some, some good traits. He's available. So what do we do? Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make it easy on myself. I'm going to trade back one and pick up a third rounder next year. I'm going to trade with Buffalo. They're going to take a player. They're going to make it easy for me. All right? 
So now, moving back one pick, I could still take Kenyon Green, I could take Daxton Hill, or I could take Chris Olave. Those are where I'm kind of leaning. I have some new trade offers, though. New trade offers coming in. My phone is blowing up. Green Bay wants to move up three spots from 28. They want to trade me pick 28 and 53 for my pick 25 and my pick 88. Nah, sorry, homie. And then the Bears want to give me pick 39 and 48 for 25 and 129. I'm going to reject it. So I'm going to have to make a choice here. See, me, in my opinion, again, I think you have Dak Prescott. You're paying him a fortune. You have an aging, deteriorating Ezekiel Elliott. And if you could reinforce that offensive line to maybe open up some more holes, right? Maybe give him some more lanes. Maybe you can kind of squeeze a little bit more juice out of him. I'm going to go with the guard from Texas A&M, Kenyon Green. I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to circle back around in the second round and try to pick up a receiver. Um, wow. Hey, man. All right. So to recap this draft, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, we walked away with Kenyon Green, guard out of Texas A&M, and a uh, 2023 third-round pick. That's what we got. <laughs> As a Giants fan, you're walking away with Akeem Akem Ekwanu, tackle from North Carolina State, and Tyler Linderbaum, top center out of Iowa, both top 15 rated talents in this draft. In my opinion, that's a pretty good haul for the Giants. You have two top 10 picks. Pick two of the best offensive linemen available. Reinforce your offensive line. Now, if you're a Giants fan, you're looking at your offensive line feeling great. You got a tackle for the next 10 years and a center for the next 10 years, and you could build around that. That's a massive upgrade. Get you a guard in the third or fourth round, you could be good. If you're an Eagles fan, you walked away with Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback from LSU. That is a, a, a boomer bust pick. That is a guy with a ton of upside, and you got to hope that you could pull it out of him. But it's also a guy that you do have some concerns about his commitment to football. But listen, when you're in college, you got so many distractions. you got so much stuff going on in the NFL. Like, there is a little bit more pressure, and the rewards are way bigger. And then you walked away with Devin Lloyd, linebacker from Utah. So you walked away with two top 15 talents in this draft. And if you're uh, the Washington Commanders, you walked away with Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from Ohio State, and a 2023 second-round pick from Minnesota. I think I did pretty good, y'all. I do. I think these draft results are pretty good. I think each team got exactly what they needed. I think the only question you would have if you're listening to this, the only thing you would think of is probably thinking, if you're the Giants, maybe you don't take two offensive linemen back-to-back like that. I think you do because I say, why not? If All right, look. Here's what I think, okay? If you're the Giants, the what's the biggest problem the Giants have had for years now? Offensive line, right? Offensive line. Fix it. You have the opportunity now. You're picking twice in the top 10. You're getting two top 10. 10 talent players, and they happen to be on the offensive line. You draft them, take them, and you don't turn back. 
and then you use the rest of your picks, the next six rounds, you can go draft whatever you want. Again, receiver, deep in this draft. You could find a, a good receiver, a quality receiver for you later in fourth, fifth, sixth round. You can get a running back any round you want. If you want to move on from Saquon, you could do that, and you could find a running back late in the draft. There are a dime a dozen. You don't need, again, you prove to yourself you don't have the offensive line yet, so it don't matter. But now, if you get that offensive lineman, I just talked myself into it. If you get the offensive lineman, if you get the offensive lineman, well, now Saquon becomes way more valuable because now you have a better offensive line, opening things up for him. He's a great, greater weapon. You actually get your money's worth. I think it makes, for me, I would do it. If I were if I were a Giants fan, I would say, yo, if you walked away with the top center and one of the top um, tackles, it's one of the top two. It's It's debatable. Aquanu, he's some people think he's the best one. Some people think he's number two or three, but like he's top three tackles in this draft. He's worthy of a top ten pick. You're not going to find many people that think he's not worthy of a top ten pick, especially if you're in need. So that's what you do. I'm okay with that. And if you're the Eagles, you can't be mad at me, the GM, if I get you the most talented cornerback in the draft. I mean, maybe you think Ahmad Gardner and you think Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati is the most talented. I think he's the best. But I think if you're talking about pure talent, Stingley's like elite, elite level talent. That guy show if that guy comes in and commits sixty five percent of the way, at the very worst you have Jalen Ramsey at corner, and that's a massive upgrade over what you had. And that's that's at the worst. At the best, you have top three cornerback in the NFL. That's what you got. I'm just saying. And you also got Devin Lloyd, you know, one of the top two linebackers in the draft. It's either him and N'Kobe Dean. And you went with him because he's got more versatility. N'Kobe Dean's more of a traditional middle linebacker, whereas um, I think Devin Lloyd has more of the athletic ability in terms of, like, being able to cover and things like that. I think, you know, but both of them, tremendous players. But I, I went with the... The more versatile player, in my opinion. And if you're Washington, come on, man. You walked away with Garrett Wilson, arguably the best receiving prospect in the draft? You can't be mad at me for that. I set you up. And you got a second-round pick next year. And, of course, the Cowboys, you walked away with, you know, one of the top guards. And that's a big area of need for you. You need a left guard bad. I helped y'all out. That's my time, y'all. I want to thank y'all for joining me. I hope you enjoyed that little uh, mock draft. You know what? Maybe next week I'll tackle the uh, another division. Maybe we'll go like AFC North. Ooh, that could be fun. Not as many top ten picks there, but, you know, we'll figure something out. Hope you guys had a good time. Enjoy me. Listen, follow me on Instagram at the John Farris. Twitter, the same thing. And I need to I need to start, like, actually posting on Twitter because I told y'all Caleb Love was going to lose the game. I was saying it to myself, I was saying it to those around me, but man, I should have posted that on Twitter so y'all, y'all could look for it, because sometimes I'd be right. Listen, if this is your first time joining me this week, I hope you enjoyed it, I hope you decide to come back next week. Cyber Family, thanks again for the support, continue the support, we're going to keep growing this thing, I'll see y'all next week. 